Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. It's your free throws because they're free. Fisher Tosopoulos last night and yesterday during the day. Some NFL playoffs on MLK Day, a Monday and wild card weekend. The Buffalo Bills take down the Pittsburgh Steelers. No one is surprised about that. Unfortunately, fortunately, we didn't have a two versus seven takedown um, like we saw on Sunday with your Dallas Cowboys, which was very unfortunate. We were all pulling for the Cowboys. We all thought the Cowboys were going to go far, the Packers. And Jordan Love and Matt LaFleur, I guess we forgot who Matt LaFleur was. They took care of business. But the Steelers, Mike Tomlin, who stormed off the presser, once asked about his contract, they did not take care of business in Snowy Buffalo. Josh Allen had four touchdowns. They prevailed. The more interesting game, though, however, was in Tampa Bay. The Philadelphia Eagles, the defending NFC champions, go to Tampa Bay get bamboozled which is pretty crazy like typically like the public can be off right the public was so on the bucks it was such a okay like this is the upset of the weekend everyone was on it i think at the end the turn a lot of people felt hey look like philadelphia can flip the script they can get things right they've been here before not that tampa bay hasn't because a lot of those guys in that roster have won that super bowl with brady uh and arians a couple years back but many people felt the eagles could turn it around, go against the public, but they go to Tampa Bay and they get absolutely smacked. It was 16 to nine. And the next thing you know, Tampa Bay doubled their score and they finished 32 to nine. Uh, the defense for Philadelphia was pretty pitiful. Um, they had four sacks, but that was about it. Jalen Hurts wasn't himself. No AJ Brown. Jason Kelsey is now retired. Uh, he told his teammates last night. And there's a lot of questions surrounding Nick Sirianni all of a sudden. After, despite going to the Super Bowl last year, he went one and six to close the season. What are your thoughts on the Eagles, Mr. Toss? Yeah, <clears throat> um, I thought you painted a really good picture of of kind of where our heads were all at going into this weekend. Um, I think a path is really clearing just outside of the Eagles. A path is really clearing for the Detroit Lions if the green Bay Packers are able to do something mm. crazy here and knock off a, a San Francisco 49ers team, who I believe is without a doubt head and shoulders better than any of the rest of the teams left in the NFC. Um, and that second best team on that pecking order, in my opinion would be the lions. And because mm. the 49ers had the buy um, LaFleur and, and Shanahan kind of rivalry, like this clears a path in my opinion for the lions who now go, um, they get to play Tampa Bay at home. This was a great win by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but there were a lot of teams that dominated in, in super wild card weekend. And I'm not looking in too heavily into what any one of these teams did in comparison to the other teams, because we've had an entire season worth of tape as well. And while the, the bucks did what they needed to do against really, really uh, cold Philadelphia Eagles team. I mean, that's the only way to cut it. They started the season 10 and one and absolutely flopped in the second half of the season. Like it, it's, it's pitiful. We need to talk about Sirianni. We need to talk about the, the, the entire coaching carousel that's going on right now. Um, but credit to Baker Mayfield and, and credit to bowls for doing what they did. And he, I mean, Baker played a tremendous game. He really did. And 
this Philadelphia Eagles pass defense has been vulnerable the entire season. Um, but he took advantage of that and you take advantage of your opponent's weaknesses. And um, I expect that Mike Evans will, will probably have a better game than he did uh, in, in super wildcard weekend. He was, you know, kind of a non-factor. Um, mm-hmm. And it was some of the other guys that, that stepped up Rashad white was, you know, he did what he needed to do. Um, but yeah, they took a couple of sacks, but outside of that, I mean, that the only thing that prevented was from that just, that just prevented the Buccaneers from beating them even worse than they already did because a couple of them were in crucial positions where they could have gotten a field goal out of the drive or they could have gone for it on fourth and short converted and then continue to drive. Um, look, I, I still think the lions are a head and shoulders better team than the Buccaneers are and should be able to win that game. And I would be surprised if the Bucks won, but at this point, anything can happen. Clearly <laughs> that's what we've learned here is that, you know, the, the Packers beat a Cowboys team who we, we had full confidence. The Cowboys were the better team. Um, again, I think a lot of people thought while they were in on the bucks and this was a very good upset, um, you know, the, the, the possibility of that, you're a home dog. Like we always like that going into a game. The Eagles were terrible against the spread this year. Like through, I think they were one in four, um, in, in games that they won. And I think they were like, oh, and seven in games that they lost or something ridiculous like that. Like they've been really bad against the spread. Um, but which makes sense because in thinking about that, just not to cut you, but they, they yeah. In all the games that they lost, the Giants game they were favored. That's they lose they they lose that game outright. The Cardinals game they lose that game outright. There are certain games that they're losing the game outright where they're absolutely favored. So them being bad against the spread is is no surprise to me. Do you feel yeah. that we were? Do you feel like we left Wild Card Weekend or Super Wild Card Weekend as you labeled it with more questions about the teams that lost than answers about the team that won? Um. I, I inevitably like, because I, the teams I, that lost are like the bigger market teams. So I think it's like a little unfair, right? Okay. But it's like not everyone's talking about the Eagles and the Cowboys because it's the Eagles and the Cowboys. And right? the Dolphins. Like, like people are like, hey, like, are they really going to extend Tua? And on one hand, I want to be like, yeah, it's not Tua's fault. It was cold, but it's cold for everybody. And that offense was a non-factor. Like that game going under was the biggest lock of the center. That was our lock. Thank God our lock of the week hit. Was that game going yeah. under? I, and I think they were, of all the teams health-wise, they were in a really tricky spot defensively. Not to mention they were playing a team that has that is able to flip the switch better than any team since the Patriots when they had Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Yeah, right, like, it's a... and, and that's what we we considered that the Eagles might have been, and now all of a sudden we're saying that Nick Sirianni might get fired. Like, we're what I keep thinking about with this Eagles team, they were not the same as they were last year. We were on a text thread yesterday and I mentioned that, you know, as, as good as Jalen Carter has been, um, they have not gotten what they've needed from the rest of that defensive line and drawn Hargrave not being on their team and being on the, the San Francisco 49ers. I think he has seven and a half sacks. Um, has made a huge impact, not to mention every single one of their defensive backs has gotten a year older. And that's a position that we've seen, you know, guys can have somewhat of a drop off when they get up into their late twenties, their, their early thirties, their mid thirties, and their defensive backfield is by no stretch of the imagination young. Um, They lost CJ Gardner Johnson who's now in Detroit. That was a big piece for them last year. Yeah, for sure. And he had a couple of good plays uh, in that game against the Rams I, I just when we were going into the into last season with the Eagles, 
when they went to the Super Bowl, we did not think that they were the, – the public, we talk about the public, the public did not believe that they were going to win the NFC East. The public did not – I think they were predicted to be a wild card team, maybe even an under – a sub-500 team, and all of a sudden Jalen Hurts takes this heroic step forward. They have two excellent coordinators. A.J. Brown trade looks like it's going really, really well for them. They're able to run the football. They have the best offensive line in football, and their defense – on top of that is the best defense in football, right? Like statistically last year, they were the best team. Now they had to play a, a team that uh, has Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, who are two hall of famers and basically the best at their position right now in the sport. And Andy Reid, of course, is a hall of fame coach. So they lost in the Super Bowl, but they put up a, a tremendous effort in that game. Jalen Hurts was excellent. He was hurt this season, but I, I just don't think we should be that, that surprised that, they were a playoff team, a wild card team that won 10 games and they fell short. Like, are, are we going to give Sirianni the grace of maybe bringing some coordinators or, or at least having an off season with the, the current coordinators that they have, as opposed to losing both of his guys? Like how many times you lose both coordinators and everything ends up okay. And you end up no, right back in the Super it's a, Bowl. Like, it's a rarity. Yeah. And I, I think if anything, a lot of what became glaringly obvious, you know, about the teams that lost in wildcard weekend is that they have a lot of things to address organizationally, as opposed to just like the guys on the field weren't enough. Right. Like, yeah, we, we believe in Jalen hurts as the player. I, I think they have a lot of talent on that offensive side of the football. It doesn't like just because AJ Brown wasn't in this game doesn't mean that they still don't have AJ Brown, Devonte Smith and Dallas Goddard. Right. And, and Deandre Swift, who was a, a, an awesome just like pickup this year. They got rid of Sanders and they were able to essentially replace his production and then some with Swift. Um, it didn't even matter. Like Rashad Penny was a total wash. They barely paid him anything. So who cares? And they lose, they lose Jason Kelsey. They'll have to replace him. I mean, he's a hall of famer in his own right. So mm -hmm. I guess their offensive line, Lane Johnson is obviously up in age. So they'll have some questions to address, but really to me, it's just the coaching staff and, and organizationally making sure that they have some consistency going into next year and they'll probably be okay. But yeah, they'll be fine. I I'm now all of a sudden, but but now you're 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 looking at it and it's like Bill Belichick is available. Oh well, yeah. Right? I I, Mike, I Mike think Tomlin they might be available though. Mike Tomlin's different. If Mike Tomlin's available, he's younger than Bill. I think he fits the culture a bit better. Um and and looked at the end of the day, like Bill Bill's not going to be the GM in Philly. Right? right. Ty Roseman. So I know there's a lot of like, oh, should Bill go to Philly? I don't know if it's necessarily a fit. I think Bill ironically is more of a fit in Dallas working side by side with Jerry Jones, who's getting up there in age. And I know everyone's like, oh, Jerry's got the clamps on the team. I think he would welcome Bill in. I think Philly, Mike Tomlin makes more sense if he were to become available. But at the end of the day, like, yes, yeah, Sirianni got you too. And Sirianni has been really good as their head coach. And he got you to a Super Bowl. And he still won 11 games this year. I know he fell apart at the end of the year and they were, they were 10 and one and they went one and six or, you know, then if you include the wild card weekend, but you're right. He had both his coordinators lost and they replaced them with the wrong guys, probably, especially. Yeah, on I mean, they brought in, I don't know why they brought in Matt Patricia. I don't know why any team is bringing in Matt Patricia at this point. He they should a, probably stop also just drafting Georgia dudes. Like their whole team is just Georgia Bulldogs. Like I get it. They're a great defense, but maybe mix it up. It's not like no Nolan Smith wasn't a world. Like someone in our group text through Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo, like those guys coming off the bench. I'm like, yeah, they were great college players, but they're still rookies. Yeah. You know, you need that depth still. 
Brandon Graham's not getting any younger. Fletcher Cox also is not getting any younger. Yes, you have Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis, but you still need some. You have Josh Sweat, and you need, you need to get a good edge guy. You need to get some linebackers. You need to get some corners. Like they're outside of the defensive line, the rest of their defense is pretty pitiful. It's just not yeah. good. And it's it's really. Darius, I mean, they got carted off. The name the names obviously are are very impressive. Shaq Leonard as well. Um, but he's but, like he got cut. He was like he's right. like he was the guy that's coming off injury. He got cut. He got you know the names are sexy, but it's not that. How many come on? How many times does that translate? How many times we've we seen that? And we'll go to the NBA in just a, in just a moment that we see great names in an NBA roster, and that doesn't translate. Yeah, we see it all the time. I I do want to just double back real quick, and it's not Please. it's not because I don't believe that Bill is the goat of coaches. He is, and what he did for New England was incredible. He is 71 years old and I, to, to believe that first off, I think to believe that Jerry Jones will all of a sudden change how he's been his entire life is a little naive because that guy operates. However, he wants to operate. He is not at the behest of anyone else. And I, I think everyone's presuming that Mike McCarthy is done. And until that comes out of Jerry Jones's mouth, I won't believe that Mike McCarthy isn't our head coach. Now, do I want him to be our head coach next year? No. Do I want him to be our head coach going into this year? No. But they have they have really, really had a loose hand and a loose grip on the leash of the head coach for the Dallas Cowboys for a long time because, and I'm talking about the Jones family here, because they know that if it's their person and they have them in a position where they're they're you know on the fence, then they hold the control. And they, Jason Garrett was our coach for nine years, nine years. And I, I wouldn't be surprised McCarthy is once again, you know, lacing it up for, for the Cowboys to be our head coach next season. And if it's not him, I just, I find it hard to believe that they would want to bring someone in that one wants managerial decisions alongside being able to be a head coach for the team. Because we also know that Jerry and the rest of the Jones family likes to have an impact on who they're taking in the draft and what kind of moves they're making from a roster personnel standpoint. Um, and, and, and then if you look, if I look at it subjectively and I look at it from a personal standpoint, I don't want bill as our head coach, to be honest, I'm, I'm not completely sure that he he's not a little bit past it and he's not trying to play a game that's, that's moved beyond him. Um, I, I, I can't, I can't help but say that I'm a little enticed by a guy like Ben Johnson and the sexiness of that offense. And like, Look, if we're getting rid of anybody, if we're talking about our head coach and our quarterback, like I'd much rather get rid of our head coach than our quarterback because Dak Prescott put up an MVPS type season. I know he wasn't good in that wild card game, um, but a lot of things were good in that wild card game. So I don't think it's fair to just point the blame at one person for one game. Um, and, and I think more more than anything, it wouldn't have mattered if Dak hadn't had two interceptions because our defense couldn't stop a nosebleed in that game. We kept saying as we were watching, like. Oh, maybe they come back in this. And, and ultimately, when a team puts up 48 points on you, like you're not coming back in that game. Uh, no, it was 27 nothing. You're not coming back in that game. Right. So I, I um the, the Cowboys have a lot to address. And obviously, like organizationally, this isn't anything new for any Cowboys fans out there or anyone who's closely followed the team. Um, just with the vice grip that Jerry and the and the and the family has on the team and, and how they want to to run the team that they own, um, which I completely get. But yeah, I, I just don't necessarily – I mean, like, look, with the guy that we didn't even mention for any of these teams is Vrabel, who I think is a better coaching candidate at this point in his career than, than Bill Belichick. And I firmly believe that. As great as Bill has been and as good of a defense as he can put out there, I, I don't think that, like, him getting in a situation 
that's more favorable all of a sudden reverts him back to being, you know, Belichick with Brady because he doesn't have Brady. And there are a few quarterbacks in the NFL that are of that caliber. And maybe that's something that he needed or at least needs now. Right. I'm not, cause it's, it's again, like he's not the same coach he was 10 years ago. No one is. I think that as far as Bill and Brady goes, I think Brady is the sexier pick of what people, when people pick the two. And I think that, I think that he gets more praise obviously for, you know, the post success after the marriage of the two winning a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. And I love Tom, but Tom walked into a fantastic situation when they beat the chiefs in that Super Bowl. It's not like it was like, you know, it came down to the last second and Tom and Tom, you know, outdueled Pat Mahomes. No. What were we saying the MVP of that Super Bowl was? The defense. They give up nine points. That was the most stymie we'd ever seen to this day, the Chiefs offense. Regular season, postseason, anytime. The most stymie we'd ever seen was in that Super Bowl. They took care of business. And Tom had a great season that year, of course. Bill is responsible for four of the six Super Bowls. The first three on Bill, especially the first one. The most recent one they won, that's Bill Belichick, too. I'll, they gave I'll up three points. I'll never argue that, but we, like we're talking but he's, about, but you and you're. It's like it's tough to replace coordinators. You can't just replace Tom Brady, like, and you can't just replace. You can't just assume that he's going to have. A, and did he have a great succession plan? No. Did he miss on the quarterback? Yeah. He, he messed, took a shot. He, he, he met. He met. He missed. He missed. He missed. And that and that's why. I, and that's why. I but don't how want many a times guy bringing in missed? But you don't. But the thing is, with the Cowboys, he doesn't have an opportunity to miss because he has Dak. He has everything on offense that he didn't have anymore in New England, and that's great for you guys. And because yeah, I, but you can't I, just put aside the fact that he wants to be the GM of the team. He, I he was willing to potentially concede it in New England. I think there's a way in which him and Jerry. I look. I ultimately think he's going to go to the Commanders, the Falcons. But I think there's a way in which him and Jerry Jones formulate a marriage for them that works for them, where they both have some say. Because honestly, I think they both complement each other pretty well as far as drafting and as far as talent evaluation. I think Bill has struggled recently with the offensive line. He's had some hits in the later rounds, but early in the draft, he hasn't. It's Jerry Jones, especially. Jerry Jones doesn't miss in the offensive line in the first round. Look at his track record. It's, it's nearly flawless. Yeah. As we, of late. I, I, the, this conversation about Bill as a GM keeps being brought up. And I think too often I'm hearing him as a drafter and also not as what he did in free agency and the ridiculous amount of money that he spent on skill position players that now have put the Pats in a desolate position on offense because of what he did to that team. I mean, he, he, he didn't bring it offensively. He, he didn't bring, he didn't bring it. John New Smith and Devonte Parker were bad signings and Nelson Aguilar was a bad signing, but that also doesn't discredit the signing of Matthew, the signings he's had of Matthew Judon, who he brought in and was a pro Bowl all pro caliber player. Uh, he's signed, he has signed not in the last couple of years, but he did one of his big free agency moves with Stefan Gilmore, who he brought in was a defensive player of the year. He went from a pro bowler to defensive player of the year. I think if he goes to Dallas and his defensive mind, right. Not, I, okay, but the, the offense that he put together in the last four years. And, and he doesn't have to do never, that in Dallas. Never had a chance to even win a playoff game. They but were not. They made it to the playoffs. He doesn't have to do it in Dallas is my point. He does not have the, the Cowboys need running backs. Even if you want Ben Johnson, you're still going to go get running backs. Ben Johnson's a good candidate. Bill Belichick and that defense, I think would do wonders. I think he's a, I think you're, I think what he could do with Micah Parsons, I think what he can do with Bland back with Gilmore when Diggs is healthy and how he could help transform them and how he gets the best out of his corners and defensive backfields. 
I think Bill Belichick could do wonders for that Cowboys defense. Not that Dan Quinn didn't have a really good season, but I'm assuming he's probably he's going to get Seattle. a head coaching job somewhere because he did I'm such assuming a good job. So it's like, it's, like, it's kind of like, what are we talking about here? What I'm assuming he's about? going to Seattle, but it's a great replacement. You get a great yeah. defensive mind in there, and he's going to get the most out of his defensive players. And the offense is already pretty built. But you don't need to get rid of Schottenheimer. You just need to you need to get running backs. You probably need to go get you probably honestly Jonathan Brooks is probably what the Cowboys need. I mean, I Tony Pollard's a he's in he's a free agent. So to bring in a, a guy coming off of an, an ACL tear as your starting running back is then make a boom. Go get Derrick Henry. He's available. We know he's good. He's done in Tennessee. I don't know. I don't know. I don't love that either. To be honest, he's he's. 30 years old. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have to get you don't have to give up the house for him. You don't have to sign him to a massive deal. Derrick Henry is still like a premier running back, still a top 10 running back. He's still a you know three down back in some regards, in many regards. And he he'd be great on behind that Cowboys offense line. He'd be great on a team where it wasn't so predictable what was going to happen. Like you eventually after you know five, six seasons of like just handing the ball to Derrick Henry, you kind of know the Mariano Rivera cut fastball is coming. Uh, yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah they let's have lose, potentially losing Tyron Smith and Tyler Biedish. So the offensive line might look a little bit different here too. I Look, the, the GM job is, it's never as, as cut and dry as we always believe it is, right? Going into an off season, it's never easy for any anyone. There's whether. always a lot of dicks on the dance floor anyway. Of guys yep. calling shots anyway. Um, all right, real quick, we'll talk some NBA. Why do you get some lists going? Give me your top three most surprising teams and your top three most surprising players. Uh, well, we're officially through, I would say the halfway point of the season. Not every team has played 41 games, but a few teams have, um, I, it's hard not to, you know, have the Clippers as a surprising team because not only are they 25 and 14 here, um, and eight and two in their last 10, but I also believe that as I watch, you know, night in, night out. They, they, to me, might be the second best team in the Western Conference. As far as my belief in them, if everyone is healthy, which we can get into that conversation after I make this point, but if everyone is healthy, I, I have a hard time believing that the Timberwolves in a seven-game series, the Thunder in a seven-game series, would beat this Clippers team because of their experience, because of how Kawhi Leonard has elevated his play in playoff series, whether he's been dealing with injury or not last season, uh, you know, when they went into the playoffs and they were playing the Suns before he got hurt, Kawhi Leonard was probably the best player in that series. And Kevin Durant and Devin Booker were also there. Um, and he has elevated his game. I, you know, I still think his burst and his athleticism don't look quite the same as what they were. I wouldn't expect him to be after the injuries that he sustained, but he's playing really good basketball. Paul George is playing all-star level basketball should be an all-star um, we'll see how many guys get the nod from their team. And James Harden is, is he's playing in a way that is so supplemental to this team and not taking away from any of the other guys. Like this is the quickest I've seen him make a swing pass. This is the quickest I've seen him get the ball out of his hands. Like you still most have careful, him. most careful. He's been with the ball. Yes. Yeah. The turnovers are way, way down. The usage is also down. Right. But um, Russ is coming off the bench, which is working really, really well for them. Zubach is a very competent big man. Like Terrence Powell. Mann ha is playing really good. Yeah, Norm Powell is a near 20 points per game score. You can come off the bench if they need him to. Like his team is, team is really good, and they have a really good head coach. And 
So uh, to say I'm not surprised where they are 39 games in for them um, at 25 and 14, especially after that hard trade and, and their woes at the beginning of the season would be a disservice to what they've done and not a team that I believed in going into the regular season. I think I probably had them at, at the 10 slot, at the 11 slot. Um, my my predictions, I think you were probably somewhere around the same, right? Eight, eight nine, 10 around there. I mean, I, th- I think you could go to like that the most surprising player being Kawhi Leonard, because we're sitting here and Kawhi Leonard's played you know almost thirty five games, yeah, and he's in the MVP. If you made a top ten MVP list, he's in the mix. He's a top yeah. 10 MVP let me see candidate. where the Kia. <laughs> yeah, he's he's tenth on the the Kia MVP ladder right now. So yeah, and I'll and I'll have you read that for us in just a hot second if you don't mind. Um, and I'll give you my other two surprising teams. I think for me, I had them in the last in the Western Conference, and they weren't looking great. But now they're on a six-game winning streak. Marketing's been excellent. The Keontae George pick looks pretty fun. Sexton's been pretty good. Obviously, Clarkson, you know, is going to put up numbers. And the John Collins trade's been pretty solid. Like, and then all of a sudden, you're looking at this guy, looking at this team, and they just have like a bunch of dudes who could come in and contribute. Right, Taylor Horton Tucker, Walker Kessler is obviously very strong defensively. Fontecchio is like really is like a really solid piece. So like this Jazz team, this Jazz team all of a sudden isn't crap. They're in the playoffs. They're two games above five hundred. They've won six in a row, which is a long streak in the NBA. And now we're sitting here like, are they going to trade Markinen? How about are they going to acquire somebody? Are they going to bring somebody in? Do they have to? Because the, and that's maybe a question for you because. Do you stay the course and is this a course you want to stay on? Because right now with the course you're on is like, you're still in that middling range. And we always talk about, you have to find a way to get out of that middling range. You can't just be in like between a rock and a hard place on a consistent basis. You have to either be tanking or you have to either really come close to being in that playoffs, that six seed and better and competing for an NBA title. So do the jazz have to make a move to bring somebody in versus versus blow it up? Um. I think that the way that I look at their team right now, and yes, they're playing really, you said they're on the six game winning streak. They're nine and one in their last 10. Um, they're terrible on the road. They're really good at home. They're 15 and five at, at home. That's always been a, a a great advantage for the jazz, no matter if it's been this version of them with Will Hardy as the coach or previously with Quinn Snyder or even before with Jerry Sloan. Um, I, this team is not a serious threat to me. And no, 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 no. I'm not talking about them as a serious no, threat. No, no, but I, but, but I bring that up in regards to your question, um, because I think that you just have to evaluate. And this is something that we know, uh, we know that, sorry, who's the, who's the, your guy, your Boston guy, uh, who's now on there, who's now running the president of basketball operations for them. Mr. Ainge. Danny Ainge. That's right. Uh, you know that he is always assessing his roster and looking to see. Sneaky man. What a a good Who are the guys that are a part of our absolutely who are the guys that are a part of our future and who are guys that because of their price tag we can move off of um and lori is a part of their future and i don't think he should be available i I like what they put out there right it's like if if it's the right package which means like if it's five first um okay in which case like at that point you're willing to do the full rebuild because you're getting so much value out of that that it becomes worth it but it's not going to happen no one's going to make that deal um Keontae George is is playing more and more. Um, I think he's facilitating the ball really, really well. He's still at the top of the assist chart for rookies. But you look in Kessler, obviously, he's long-term there, right, because of his his contract and how young he is. Agbaji, I, I would assume so as well. They probably like him going forward. Hendricks hasn't really played that that much, um, but they've got him on his rookie contract. 
and everyone else, it's kind of like Clarkson can probably be moved, right? Sexton can be, be moved, but I know they like him a lot. Olenek certainly is a guy that can be moved, and a lot of teams are going to be wanting to, to have a guy like that, a four who can create, who can defend, who's incredibly versatile. Why not sell high on these guys who are playing good basketball right now as opposed to, one, making a move, having to if, – if you make a move and you're trying to bring another, like, all-star caliber player in, you're getting rid of a lot of your youth, right, that you wanted to see how they turned out. Um, you have tons of picks, so you have a lot of capital, but I don't like making a move for an all-star level player until you get to the point where you've gotten enough young talent on your team like the Thunder are at, right? Mm. Like, that's what I would be doing if I were them. I'm looking at what press he put together, and now he's in a situation where, like, the conversation about buying a player, selling some of those draft assets to compete, to contend, is viable. So it actually should be the conversation that Oklahoma City is having or staying the course because they're playing really good basketball. But I don't think that's the answer for them. So I think the Jazz are like, okay, let's look at what Oklahoma City is doing. Let's be very, very patient with this. Let's acknowledge that we're going to have a diehard fan base in Utah no matter what we do. And we can slow roll this thing. And they're kind of hitting on picks too. They're the hitting George on pick, picks. The I George mean, you, pick, the way yeah. the Kessler acquisition, like, yeah, I'll, I'll count that. Like, they're they're hitting on guys. Igbaji and and Hendricks, I think we need to see more of. But the Sexton contract looks pretty decent to me, actually. Like, I think he's a really. I think I like your diagnosis of like selling high on the older guys that you know people are going to want to buy. Like everyone wants Olenek. right? Everyone I, I wants a lot like, of people want Clarkson too. And if you end up with the eighth overall pick, they right? Why you think they'll just they'll well okay so even they're winning the thirteenth pick, sixteenth pick. Fine. I don't necessarily think that there's that much of a difference between in this draft class, at least what we're seeing in in early box and early evaluations between eight and sixteen, or between six and and fifteen, right? And you have to trust that you know, you're, you're going to pick the right guy and that Hardy's going to develop him. So I, I'm not pressing if I'm the jazz, I'm being mm. very, very patient. And a lot of times that's not what fans want to hear, but they took their shot with the Mitchell go bear jazz era, right. With Conley and, and it, they didn't have enough. And so now I think that what you can't do is you can't put yourself right back in that position and you have to be patient with it and you have to find real bona fide all-stars two, three of them to play together and, and really try and compete with the rest of this top tiered Western conference. Like I'd almost, this is, this is really what you don't want to hear, but like your plan should be what we're attacking hardcore when Steph and LeBron are out of the league. That's mm -hmm. what the plan should be. Seriously. I, like, yeah. The jazz actually, I, here's an interesting little tidbit for you. Their pick goes to Oklahoma city, but that's how the top 10. Yeah, so you should trade sure. Olenek and Clarkson and Taylor start Gordon Tuck. A, start losing a few games. You have to. You have to start losing a few games. The winning is not good for them. You need, you need to. You need to. Yeah. Um, other surprising teams for you? I'll throw the Hawks in there as a bad surprise. I think we threw that in there a couple of weeks ago. They yeah. stink. I I've, um, I would I don't even know what to do, honestly. I guess you trade Murray. I guess you trade Bogdanovich and Capella, and you keep Trey Young. Honestly, if I you know I'm aggressive, like if I could trade Trey Young, I would trade him too. Like he's had a really strong offensive season. He's not a good defensive player, and we know that. 
and I would see if I could sell him, sell high on him, and 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 you know, really start this rebuild properly. He's not a number one you could win with, and I think we know that at this point. Yeah, uh, another team that I think I've been surprised with, just because, you know, Mobley went down, Garland went down, and. Cleveland is still the the fourth seed in the East and Donovan Mitchell has been playing really, really good basketball. The Struce pickup it, it has been tremendous for them. Ma- Max Struce has been playing really good basketball for this team the entire season. Um, this doesn't like change my mind about the Cavaliers at all. I mean, Jared Allen had, he had a double, double the other night. He has double, 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 almost every single night. Merrill has been a really good shooter for them. Um, and, and Karis Silvert, you know, he does what he needs to do. Sometimes he has it, sometimes he doesn't, but that's what you ask from a guy like him to be a six man to come off the bench and score points. I I don't necessarily know, like, I'm not, you know me, I'm not a huge believer in this team in regards to what they can do in the playoffs, even if they had Garland and Mobley, just because I still feel like the development of those two guys like needs to continue. It needs to, needs to further along. And I just don't know if Donovan Mitchell's, you know, three-year plan is to be in Cleveland. Um, well, that's like the tricky ha- part. Do they trade him? Like, what's going on there? Like, do they trade him? Do they go to the Nets? And I like the idea of them getting Doe, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, or, or Cam Johnson, you know, to put in that lineup. But, like, I don't know what they do because I don't think they know what they're going to have with Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. I think the – to me, it feels like eventually, like, the Mobley-Allen thing will, like, have to be broken up in a way. I, I just, I don't know if they have enough shooting. I don't know if those guys are good enough to beat a team like Philly or Milwaukee. If Embiid or Giannis are out there, they're, they're as good as Jared Allen is defensively. Like he still can't hold up against Giannis and, and Embiid. in which case, like, do you want the game plan to be completely different? And you just want to outshoot those teams. Like, do you just want to have four shooters out there? with Allen or do you like, I, I'm just thinking about potential options here. It's also, well, just you're not going to beat Milwaukee because you're not going to outshoot them because Milwaukee has the equalizer this year, which in, in, in that regard, in that matchup would be Damian Lillard. Who's who's still a better offense yeah. player than Donovan Mitchell is. Yeah. And, and obviously like if Cleveland ran into Boston, like, I don't know what Cleveland does because they're really know. bad. They're a really bad matchup. I don't know what anyone's doing. And I'm not even just saying that because I'm a Celtics fan. I don't know what anyone's doing against Boston. You have five guys. You have a you have a you have an all star lineup, and I'm not saying like dominant at home. This home this home undefeated winning streak is unbelievable. And I mean, I look at this point, it's like take it all the way if you can. It's just going to be ridiculous if they do. Someone will have a crazy shooting night, I expect, and and will knock you know at least get you know one or two against them. But until then, I'm 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 rooting for it to keep going. It's the best the Spurs at forty and one. If that's what I mean, that's ridiculous. I'm pretty sure the Spurs, the year, the year the Warriors went 73 and nine. I'm almost certain the sport, the Spurs went 40 and one. You could double check me on it. that. Um, and then the last, uh, yeah, so, that, that's correct. And then in the, the 85 86 Celtics went 40 and one as well. So they have, nice. they're tied for that. And they're, they're 19 and 0 right now. Um, yeah. So they're, they're doing their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so quickly before we go, uh, just to list them out, my three surprising teams, the Jazz, the Clippers, I'm with you, and the Hawks negatively. My three surprising players, Kawhi Leonard, has been fantastic. He's played every game. Terry Rozier, guy that has to be on the trade block. 
He's been excellent for the Hornets, the only bright spot in that franchise. And my former favorite first-round pick, a guy I bought so much stock in, he was not good his first couple years. All of a sudden, he's the face of basketball in Chicago, Kobe White. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you <laughs> Go, kept baby. that Kobe Watts. I, he's like a fringe all-star right now. Like it's like stock. It was, I, I didn't have a choice. It was, it's my game stop, dude. Kobe white. Who, who are your three came surprising? Out, came out of absolute nowhere. Cause I even feel like the first yeah, month of the season, that, yeah. the first month of the season, he kind of sucked too. Like he, it's <laughs> you know, normally it's like a guy comes into the season, they're red hot. And it's like, Oh, this is actually who this guy is now. And he kind of did that at month two, like in December. Yeah. And, and now he's a really good player and like a guy they can, build off of Patrick Williams still not doing enough for them. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. Who are are your threes? Your three surprising teams were the Clippers, the Cavs. Uh Uh-huh. And then did I mention the, I think I was just kind of agreeing with you on On the jazz, the jazz. That's fair. Yeah. But it's like a temporary one, right? Like surprised right now where they are and expecting it to go down a little bit. Other than that, I actually will say this. I think we pretty much knew where we were at with all these teams. Like no one's like that far off. Um, yeah. Initially, like the last time we met up to talk about hoops, like the Warriors, right? We're surprising, but now we're not surprised and we kind of yeah. know who they are. Um, we'll, we'll save trades. Um, and then were there players you wanted to throw out surprising wise that I missed? I'm sure yeah, it's mostly time. just young guys. Like, like if you talk about the Warriors, like Brandon Pajemski, like surprised by how good that guy's been, like surprised by how good Derek Lively's been, to be honest. Like, sure. I, I, I wanted him to be good, but he's been really, really good. Like a game changer. We beat the Pelicans because he okay. absolutely dominated Jonas Valanciunas. Maybe even more so talk about the Mavs, like surprised about how good Tim Hardaway has been. Like he's a six man. has been great. Six man of the year candidate dropped 40 points. He and Kyrie combined for 80 plus points. Epic. There's not many. How many other guys in the NBA could be paired with a star superstar type and go for 80? Just two guys. Like there's very few players in the NBA that can do that right now. There's very few players that get the opportunity, obviously. And it, because Luca was out, you know, we were, we were very cool with Timmy running and gunning. Um, but 40 plus points is, is no slouch. And it's not like this game was a blowout, right? It's not like, Scoot Henderson scoring 30 points just because he's out there for 40 minutes and he's chucking up, you know, 27 shots. Like, mm. uh, yeah, I mean, I was the surprising in a bad way, Scoot Henderson, but still holding my stock for him. Oh um, yeah. Brandon Miller too. Yeah. Brent Miller's been, Miller's been good. Uh, I just, he's been, okay. Chauncey Billups, he's been fine, but is Chauncey Billups been, is he the worst coach in the NBA? Done. Go back to being an analyst. It's over. Yeah. It's over. Sorry. Um, and then I, I you want to run ask, that, that MVP. Yeah, I do. Cause I, cause I have one more question for you and then uh, you, it's a quick yes or no. And then okay. you run the MVP ladder. here, uh, according to NBA.com, their key MVP ladder right now, uh, Embiid is number one. Jokic, number two, Shea Gilgis Alexander is number three. Luca is number four. Giannis number five. And then the next five, uh, Jason Tatum, DeMontis Sabonis, Anthony Davis, Tyrese Halburn, and the aforementioned Kawhi Leonard. I like the AD in there. You know, I love the Sabonis in there. I like Shea at three. I think it's a, and I know he's scoring the basketball at a ridiculous clip, and he's, you know, he's a very strong defensive player in the Thunder. It's such a nice story. And I think three is a little, little heavy for him. I get it. It was a, a, uh, yeah. I mean, it was a bad loss last night to the Lakers. Do you, 
is if the Celtics are the best team in the NBA by six plus games. So if their record is 68 wins or 67 wins, and there's no other team that let's say there's no other team that has 60 wins. Do you think that Jason Tatum can win the MVP? Is there a world of Jason Tatum? I think, can win the MVP I think he can. Well, yeah, I think he can. I think what's important to add into that as a wrinkle is that Embiid might not qualify, right? Hmm. There is still, I would say, like fatigue from Jokic, especially because he won last year, won the championship, and then the mm-hmm. previous two years he wins MVP. Um, I think I, I I believe in the Thunder. I think they're, but I don't think that they're a true contender in my mind. And I think that they could, they could hit a lull at any time. They could hit a spell where they lose some games. Um, again, I think I'm more, I lean more. They should probably make a trade as opposed to not making a move. Um, we have to debate that next show because I'm, I think I'm the opposite. I'm also, if they're staying put, I understand and I get it. And it's like, you're not, you don't have to win this year. You don't. And that's okay. Which is a great, which is a good, like, that's a good way to look at it. If you're in, in favor of them not making a move. Um, I mean, I believe that Lucas should be ahead of Shea anyway because of what he's done this year. If you're just, and if he plays the qualifying games and the Mavs end up a top six seed, if the if the Celtics win sixty seven games, like that's a real conversation in my mind, and Jokic would be involved in that conversation as well. And I'm I'm just assuming that Embiid's not because he's not played enough games. He miss he misses seven more games. There's still a half of a season left to play. He's not qualifying. Uh, and then Giannis has been really, really good. I think Giannis might be the, to me, my, I think he's, I think it's him and Jokic are the two best in the league, then Embiid, then Luka, just as far as basketball players go. So I don't know. I obviously think Luka should be in the mix of MVP. Of course, he's a top four player, no question. But it's a certain point for me. Like you have, like if a team, and I get the Celtics, you know, roster is potentially the best or is the best, not potentially. But yeah. at the, a certain point, if you're the best player on the best team and you're the best team by far, like why doesn't that hold dividends anymore? Yeah, I mean, I would say like, the, but the, it's right. It's just like, what do you want to give it to? Because if you take, I know that the Mavs won without Luca last night, but if the Mavs didn't have Luca for this entire season, they wouldn't they wouldn't win 35 games. Like that's just that just wouldn't happen. And if the Celtics didn't have Jason Tatum. I think they could maybe still win 45 games. Like I and I believe that. Like which is which is being very generous, I would say. But what's I'm the actually, bigger what's the bigger drop off? Like we're well, talking about the Celtics I'm, team that can win 67 I'm games. Ve- gonna... I'm being very generous though. If you're if they're winning 67 games realistically, that means every other player on their team is playing such good basketball that Tatum, I mean normally players aren't worth more than like according to the odds makers seven six seven games is like a lot of games yeah sure um sure. and I, who's who is more valuable to their team luca is more valuable to his team than 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 jason the better basketball player yeah yes I think and the style of basketball is... that the mavs play if the mavs win over 50 games if they outperform what their over under is it was supposed to be 43 and a half if they win 50 plus games and luca's in their top six seed like I, it's the statistics when you compare the two guys and what they do for their team, it's not even comparable. It's the and same Ant, thing. And, and Ant Man not even in the conversation. Where I don't think I, I don't think so because Tatum's 
been better than Ant-Man has um, statistically and the team's better. So like, if you want to make that argument, like I'm going with Tatum over anyone else who's in that category of best player on the best team. Right. Would it be ridiculous if Luka never wins an MVP? No, I don't think so because he's playing in an era where Giannis is in his prime and Jokic is in his prime and Embiid's in his prime where his team is not the best team in the Western conference where, so while I'm saying that I, you know, if, if the Mavs have 50 wins and the Celtics have 65 wins, say I would give it to, to Luca in that situation, but a lot of people wouldn't Right, a lot of the voters would give it to the best player on the best team. A lot of people just do that no matter what. Um, and that's, and they're lazy voters in that way. And, or they don't have, and the only reason I say that's lazy is like, as long as you have your own system and you're like doing the due diligence and watching basketball and you have a vote, you can do whatever you want. Um, but I, I, do you think it's crazy that he doesn't win? I think it's only crazy because of how talented he is, but I wouldn't be that surprised if he didn't win one. Um, no, he's just, cause to me, he's still the fourth best player or third. I still yeah, think I still would rather I have, Jokic you, I Giannis. think it's fair. I think it's fair to believe that, especially for the two way stuff. But I think this year, statistically him being ranked fourth on the, the Kia MVP power rankings is a disservice to how well he played in December. He was by far the best basketball player on the, on the planet in December. It's not even close. And you could say, okay, MB doesn't play enough fourth quarters, but like, MB just doesn't play enough games period. And unfortunately, you know, going into all-star season, Lucas missed a couple of games here, but other than that, I mean, Kyrie missed a lot of games at the beginning of the season. And Luca was incredibly crucial to us staying <laughs> in the hunt. Like, Luca averaged 37 and a half in December and 11 assists. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and he leads yeah, our team, he leads our team in crazy. rebounds, and he actually has been a lot better defensively. He, the three-point shooting is the, the biggest thing. At that point, who gives, who gives a shit about defense? You're averaging 37 and a half, 11 and nine. The crazy thing And is, you're shooting 38% from three. Right. The crazy thing is I, I – believe that like everything could shake out in a way where he doesn't win an MVP in his career. But I also believe he can average in a season. I think we could see him have a 37, nine and nine season. He I really would, it would, he would win the MVP at that point. That'd be better than anything Harden ever did. Yeah. I mean, That's if he it. shoots, it, it's just about his free throws and his three point percentage with his volume. Like, if he shoots at a 38, 39% three, and he shoots, if he gets his free throw percentage to like 82, 83, like it's just going to go up. It's going to go up to 35, between 35 and 37 points per game. Mm -hmm. Just nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, all right. Next time we meet, we'll talk trades. We have Zach Cohen coming on for a 1090 show. Also the pod, of course, and fans out there, hit your free throws because they're free. We'll see you next time. Check out our horns up talking Texas show. We out you. We love you. Go C's, go Mavs. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.